Yeah, he really was somebody who was larger than life. He was probably the last of the great terrestrial explorers. These people who would venture into a blank spot on the map with little more than a compass, uh, a machete, and an almost divine sense of purpose. Fawcett began exploring the Amazon, which back then was still largely unknown to outsiders. It was about the size of the continental United States. He began mapping the area in 1906, and he began to gather what he believed were clues to an ancient civilization that he called the City of Zed. We have no idea, do we, what exactly happened to Fawcett? So, yeah, so Fawcett, in, he finally, uh, in 1925, he set out to find this place to disprove the skeptics who did not believe that such a place could exist. He went with his oldest son, Jack, and a companion, and they set off in 1925. And the amazing thing was he would write these dispatches describing uh, their journey. And then they would give these dispatches to Indian runners who would run them out to the jungle and to a town. And then they'd be typed up on telegraph machines. So the whole world was following this expeditions, usually with about a three-month delay. But it was the equivalent of the kind of one of the first early mass stories that the whole world followed. And then suddenly the dispatches stopped and there was utter silence. And he had disappeared and was not heard from again. And it launched what has often been called the greatest exploration mystery of the 20th century. And this, of course, David, is where your fertile imagination, I guess, steps in. He was, and the thing as well, he was defying received scientific wisdom at the time, wasn't he? And, and they almost laughed at him, which, which seems quite risible now, given that science almost reigned supreme in 2017. Yeah, what is so interesting is that um, there was a great deal of prejudice back then. And the belief was that the Amazon jungle was what was called a counterfeit paradise, a place that was inimical to human life because it was so hostile. But partly that belief was also fueled by a prejudice, a disbelief that the people, the indigenous communities were capable of building a complex society in the jungle. And so when Fawcett set off, the scientific establishment thought he was kind of semi-mad, an amateur uh, he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, he had gathered over the years uh, evidence of pottery, evidence that he believed were causeways, but nobody believed him. And it's only really been in the last 10 years where we are finding, archaeologists are finding evidence of these ancient settlements in the jungle, including in the very place where Fawcett believed Zed would exist. And of course, as a writer, David, you are, if I can almost break this down, uh, perhaps a shade too crudely, you're marrying fiction or non-fiction, I should say, with, with fiction, you know, that kind of what if, and therefore imagining your supposition of what happened next. When you kind of try and bind those those genres, what are the obstacles for you as a writer? You know, I actually, I really try to be incredibly faithful to the evidentiary material. And so there are obviously elements where you might speculate or, or theorize, but I followed Fawcett's footsteps into the jungle. I was able to get his diaries, his logbooks to kind of reconstruct his life, the diaries of his companions. And I made the journey uh, many years later to follow in Fawcett's trail. And I was able to make, because of that, a few discoveries, including um, staying with an indigenous community where um, they had an oral history about their encounter with Fawcett because Fawcett was the first white man they'd ever seen and they had passed this oral history down. That oral history had certain clues to what had happened to Fawcett. 
and the other thing i was able to do was to meet up with an archaeologist who was doing research in that area and he was able to show me these moats and bridges and causeways uh, evidence that he had found of these pre-columbian settlements so what is amazing is there is a now enough evidentiary material where you can help push back the kind of speculation and actually show what really did happen and who Fawcett really was. Of course, the, the genre of explorer movies, if we can coin that phrase, they frequently go for the, you know, the raised eyebrow, the knowing look, the pithy comment, often preposterous villains or comic book monsters. And I've seen the trailer of, of the film adaptation of your book and some of the, the, the pre-release material. Clearly, the adaptation and your book keeps well clear of all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, when I wrote the book, and I think when they made the movie, we didn't want to. It's not just a boy's tale. It is a wonderful tale of adventure. But Fawcett is a larger-than-life character. He has all the dimensions of a human being, including the contradictions, both the heroism, heroism, but also the destructive power of his obsession and what that does to his family. And I think that's what makes it a rich story: is that it has almost a mythic quality to it. But these were real people doing real things and experiencing real consequences of their decisions. Of course, some of the exec producing duties on the film were undertaken by a certain Brad Pitt. It seems like you have all the essential ingredients, David, for box office success. I feel very, very lucky as an author. It's a dream when you when somebody calls you, they want to make a movie uh, of your book. And in this case, that the project wound up in the right people's hands is, I feel very fortunate. James Gray is a terrific director, uh, Charlie Hunnam does a terrific job bringing Fawcett to life. I got a chance to meet him when he was playing Fawcett in the jungle. It was like meeting Fawcett. Um, and he captures his obsession, his kind of defiance, his rebellious streak. And Sienna Miller, who plays Nina Fawcett, the wife, is also just remarkable. So I feel very, very blessed and fortunate because of that. That's wonderful. Is it the kind of cinema then that informed and, and shaped you? You know, it's very, it's funny. It, this is a movie that, is timeless and it's a kind of movie that is made for adults um, not just teenagers and it is the kind of movie i grew up with that uh, captured my imagination i wish they made more movies like this the writer Alan Moore, a resident of Northampton here, famously disassociates himself from a number of film adaptations, of course, a number of complex reasons for that, and I want to uh, um, do an injustice to, to, to that. But your experience with it, do you feel sort of quite uh, naturally protective of your work, and, and how do you avoid filmic cliches and the stripping back of, your, of the written word? Yeah, you know, to be honest, as an author, you have limited control, and you need to accept that. And... Um, but in this case, I was very fortunate that the people who made the movie were ambitious and serious and were stuck to the capture the essential truths of the movie. A movie will never be an exact replica of the book. It's a it's a different medium. It's a different documentary. And I really actually think the two complement each other quite nicely. Um, but I was fortunate because you I could see being in another circumstances where that wouldn't be the case.